preparations. I love this time of year and this particular season and the celebration of the birth of our Savior. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I grew up knowing about Lottie Moon. Uh, if you don't know about Lottie Moon, Lottie Moon was about that high, okay? And went to China, uh, bless her heart, the mission that she had for the cause of Christ in China to see those come to know Christ. And, um, you know, for what they said here is, is true, that there is a lostness that we have, 8 billion people on the face of this earth, and half have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. They've never heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they desperately need that presence. And so by our giving through the, to international missions through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and I know that that particular offering goes directly towards ministry and uh, that much of this is the ministry that we have. And so by our praying, I just encourage you to use your prayer guides for this week. And by our giving, uh, God speaking to our heart that we will be on mission. And just want to encourage you as a church family uh, I hear it often say that we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I had one old country preacher who used to say, we keep the main thing, the main thing, okay? And uh, we are to do so. And we know what that is of fulfilling the Great Commission. You're on mission here as a church body, as a church family, and keeping our eyes focused upon Christ and seeking to fulfill the Great Commission of making disciples of all people all nations, all ethnic groups that they may have opportunity to know and uh, to think how the world has moved to the nations, to move to the United States and move to the state of Texas. Now, I'm glad to, to share this Sunday with you. I'm to be here next week and, uh, Lord willing, the, the week after. Uh, Brother Brett will uh, lead you and... Uh, Lead you in the time on Christmas Eve and on uh, New Year's Eve, December the 31st. And then, Lord willing, I'm to begin again with you on January the 7th for an extended time. And so just uh, be, be in prayer for your church during these days and days of transition and can't continue to be of service and ministry to our Lord as we continue to honor and to serve Him. Well, the birth of a baby is a common event in our world. It was probably, oh, it's been six, seven years ago, I read this, and uh, about a mother already of four daughters, and she had her fifth child, and her fifth child weighed 14 pounds. Now, the mother was quoted after that fifth delivery by saying, and I quote, I'm done. You think? Well, there is one birth that was absolutely unique in human history. And anyone knowing the circumstances of Jesus' birth would expect an extraordinary life of accomplishments. And that is exactly what happened. I invite your reading this morning to take your Bible and turn to the New Testament and turn, if you would, to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 4. And I do want to speak to you today on the birth of a miracle. 
Galatians chapter 4, and I want to begin reading there the words of the apostle beginning in verse 4. Paul tells us, but when the fullness of time, when the completion of the time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The birth of Jesus Christ was immersed in miracle, clothed in mystery, surrounded by wonder. The birth of Jesus of Nazareth set the date lines of history. Cultured Greeks tried to date world events from their Olympiad, and they were ignored. Rome tried to measure history from the date of its founding and failed. Frenchmen revolted in the 18th century and labeled the revolution the start of a new era, but they didn't convince even their own countrymen. And so what the Greeks and the Romans and the French failed to do, Jesus Christ accomplished. That his birth became the focal point of history and the calendar of the world was Christianized. Everything that we know about Jesus' birth came from the Bible. And the Holy Bible tells us about the birth of Jesus both before and after the event. First of all, we think about this morning about the record of his birth. The first reference to his birth appears in the book of Genesis. That in the book of Genesis, chapter 3 and verse 15, God responded to mankind's first sin by predicting, prophesying the enmity between Satan and the seed of the woman. Now, people throughout the centuries have been puzzled by this reference, this matter of the seed of the woman, because human conception results from the seed of man. And yet the Bible's prophecy indicated that it would be the seed of the woman which would produce the conqueror of Satan. Now, centuries later, the prophet Isaiah clarified this promise. We know from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. Later, the prophet elaborated on this amazing birth. Isaiah 9, verse 6, For to us a a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the New Testament, in the words that we read today, Paul wrote that God sent his son to earth, born of a woman, 
born under the law. Now, preliminary events had prepared the earth for it was the completion, the fullness of time. Now think about this. It was the fullness of time, the completion of time religiously. Uh, The religions of the day were like dying embers. Everything that was dead offering little attraction or warmth to needy multitudes. Uh, Their superstitions were widely discredited. The priesthood was corrupt. So it was not only the fullness of time, the completion of time religiously, it was also the fullness of time culturally. Greek culture had spread throughout the Mediterranean world with the conquest of Alexander the Great. A common language united many people, and the Old Testament had been translated into Greek. So it was the fullness of time religiously, the completion of time culturally. It was the fullness of time politically. For the Roman government had established order in the former Greek and Egyptian empires. So it was that we do read that Caesar Augustus, when he ordered a registration for taxation, that a Jewish carpenter named Joseph and his pregnant wife Mary, that they left Nazareth to go pay their taxes in Bethlehem. Now, in addition to the preliminaries on earth, there were also the definite preparations taking place in heaven for the birth of Jesus. The angel Gabriel was dispatched to inform an elderly temple priest that he would become the father of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. Gabriel then visited a young lady in Nazareth named Mary and told her that she had been chosen as the earthly instrument for bearing the son of the highest. Mystified yet rejoicing, Mary accepted God's assignment and Gabriel went back to the throne of God. A host of angels uh, made their preparations for the night of all nights when the Bethlehem skies would ring angelic praise and Almighty God would appear as a tiny baby. In the Gospels, in Matthew and in Luke, we read the particulars of Jesus' birth, that the details from a plain, form a plain picture of an earth-shaking event. Since the ancestors of both Mary and Joseph came from Bethlehem, the couple traveled to the city of David to register for Caesar's tax. Now, when they get there, as busy as Bethlehem was at that time, there was no room for them in Bethlehem. All that was available for them was just a warm place that was found for Mary to give birth and to cradle the Son of God. The baby's first visitors to to the maternity ward were dirty shepherds hurrying in from the fields after the angel's announcement. Sometime later, Mary and Joseph and the baby entered the temple in Jerusalem 
to offer sacrifices required by the law, and they were greeted by a man named Simeon, a devout man, and a lady named Anna, a widow who never left the temple but served day and night with fasting and prayer. They both recognized Jesus as the Savior sent by God, and they voiced their praise for His gracious provision. Again, sometime later, some believe it may have been as much as two, maybe as much as three years, that wise men from the east followed a star to Bethlehem and bowed before the baby they believed would be the king of the Jews. They presented him with costly gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh is a spice. Myrrh symbolized human life and death. That the baby boy, unlike any other, was born to die. His forehead was destined to wear a crown of thorns. His tiny hands and his wrists would one day be uh, pierced with nails on a cross. His cruel death, as well as his miraculous birth, had been prophesied, predicted by the Old Testament prophets. It was all in the sacred, sacred record, and it was all coming true. Now that's just a brief summary, a brief record of his birth. But secondly, we think about the reasons for his birth. That the Bible gives not only the facts, but also the reasons of Jesus' birth. Now think about this. Jesus was born on this earth to reveal to all what God is like. My favorite verse at Christmas time is John chapter 1, verse 14, where John says that the Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. The glory of the only begotten. Who came from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Now John chapter 1 states that this same word. Logos. Existed in the very beginning. And that the word was with God. And that the word was God. So it was God the Son who took on a body in Mary's womb and was born in Bethlehem. Now we think about a word, okay? I saw the other day that Mary, they have this word of the year. Uh, Miriam's uh, dictionary said that the word for this year, 2023, was the word authentic, okay? That's a big word among a lot of people, being transparent. Well, think about a word. A word expresses thoughts and ideas. Jesus coming in the flesh, in the form of a babe, revealed what God is like. Revealed Almighty God. The birth of Jesus Christ was not an evolution in history. No, the birth of Jesus Christ was an invasion from eternity. That the most tremendous truth in all the Bible is that Almighty God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, Almighty God who created eternity, 
condescended to become a man and be restricted by the limitations of time and space. And I tell you today that if you're searching and you're seeking or you know someone that is wanting to know what God is like, if you want to know what God is like, then you can find out by looking to Jesus Christ by faith. That Jesus is God demonstrating indescribable love. Philip, a disciple, asked the Lord Jesus one time, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Of which Jesus said that he who has seen me has seen the Father. The eternal Son of God wrapped himself in human flesh, labored and suffered far from his heavenly home. And to think that as a result that you and I can personally know and have a relationship with the eternal loving God. Jesus was also born on this earth. To redeem men and women. Go back and hear what Paul says again in verse 5. To redeem those under the law. John said again in 1 John chapter 4 verse 14. That we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. One of Jesus' great declarations There in the Gospel of John is John 14, 6, where Jesus said that I and no one else, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. According to God's Word, Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if you want to get to heaven, you must receive Jesus Christ, humble your life, receive Him as your personal Savior. The Apostle Paul emphasized the need everyone has for a Savior when he said that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every one of us, everyone without exception, is guilty of sin and doomed to death Unless we have a Savior from our sin. Now, the question is this. How did Jesus become that Savior? Well, Paul again, he described it in concise theological terms. A verse found in Romans chapter 8 verse 3. Paul says, For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful flesh, by sinful nature. Look at this. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. Now there's two truths, two words that need an explanation here. One is found in the word identification. God made His Son a body of flesh like that of the human race so Jesus would be a true man as well as true God. But Jesus did not inherit a sin-prone nature because His Father was the Holy God, not Joseph, the husband of Mary. That is the great miracle of the virgin birth, which enabled Jesus to have a human nature like ours. To think that He felt pain, He felt sorrow, He felt rejection, 
all of the things as we do, and he faced the same temptations. The Bible says that he was tempted at all points as we are, yet was without sin. So he identified with us. But the second word that we find here is found in the word propitiation. Now that's a big theological word. Let's just think of the words atoning sacrifice. That before Jesus' birth, God told his people to sacrifice an animal on the altar to acknowledge their sins. And so God accepted the animal's death and blood for payment for sin. Think of the rivers of blood that went through that of the Old Testament times for sin offerings of animals that were slain because of the sin of individuals and people. But since the death of a sinner is real payment for sin, he must eventually die unless the sinner finds a qualified substitute. So only one man, one person had no sin of his own to die for. Jesus Christ, the virgin-born baby, fully obedient, Son of God, that he was sent for sin. Now look at these two verses. One is found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. John says, He, that is Jesus Christ, that he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Another verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. John says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. By living without sin, Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. And then He died voluntarily, deliberately for the sins of other human beings. He became the Savior of all who would trust in Him. Jesus came to reveal what God is like. Jesus came to redeem men and women, to give them new life. Finally, Jesus was born on earth to destroy Satan. Again, John summarized it in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, where John says that he who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And then here's what John says. That the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The Bible reveals that Satan has the power of death because he led Adam away from God into sin. Consequently, Adam was brought under the penalty for sin by God's law and mankind has been bound by the fear of death ever since. So when Jesus died on the cross for sin, He broke Satan's domination of death, where you and I no longer have to fear death. Historians tell us that when Abraham Lincoln When he abolished slavery, it was many years before the knowledge of freedom came to all the slaves. And though the power of sin has been broken, 
multitudes upon multitudes of people continue to be under the oppression of sin and death. A Savior died to set them free from the chains of sin. The Savior died to set you free from the chains of sin and from death. For liberated believers in Jesus Christ, when we think about death, death is now the entrance to eternal companionship with God. Now, we've looked at the record of His birth. We've looked at the reasons for His birth. Let's wrap this up. Let's finally look at the relevance of His birth. What does the birth of Jesus mean, first of all, to the world today? Well, one, there is a universal relevance. The whole universe is affected by His birth. The Bible says, God says, God's Word says, everything on and under and above the earth will ultimately be brought into subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, every ruler and nation will eventually bow at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometime this week, go back and read the second psalm of Psalm chapter 2, which is a messianic psalm. Psalm 2 pictures heathen nations raging against God in rebellion and the King of Heaven laughing at their threat because His anointed Son has been given the earth for His inheritance. A story from history from first century. The Emperor Julian, we don't hear much about this man, but the Emperor Julian of Rome was born in the year of 330. He died in 363, living 33 years, about the same age as how long Jesus Christ had lived. Now, the Emperor Julian of Rome was the last non-Christian to rule the Roman Empire. Uh, Julian had uh, turned savagely against the Christians. He vowed to exterminate them from, from the empire. It is said one day that as a Roman soldier was whipping a a Christian, Julian the, the apostate taunted the victim and asking the Christian, Where is your carpenter of Nazareth now? Which very bravely and courageously the Christian looked into the emperor's eyes and says, He is driving nails into your coffin, O emperor. It was an accurate answer for when Julian went into battle later on and was mortally wounded. It is said that he is reported to have clutched some of his own blood and thrown his blood into the air and cried out with the words, looking up to the heavens, Thou hast conquered, O Galilean. Four hundred years after his birth, Jesus Christ's relevance was acknowledged by a powerful enemy. Even today, the powerful enemy seeks to exterminate the light of the world, seeks to take away the Word of God, seeks to take away 
prayer and all things of biblical values that we even find today. So you see, there is a universal relevance that uh, his birth affected. But there's not only a universal relevance, there's also a personal relevance. That it affects your life and mine. That if Jesus Christ's birth was relevant to the first century Christians and to others through the ages, then yes, it is relevant to your life and mine, to us today. Think about these three things and I'll close. Number one, you think about your past. Christ came at Christmas. Paul says in this passage in Galatians 4, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now I've heard it said, and I always believe that God redeems what he allows. In this case, he redeemed fallen human sinners whose relationship with our holy creator had been broken so that for the purpose that we might receive adoption as sons. Now get this. In the Roman Empire, a father could disown a biological child whenever he wanted for any reason. But... If he adopted a child, that child could never be disowned. So it is with us. Paul takes this and tells us that if you have trusted Christ as your Lord, that he has made you the child of God, the child of God for all time. I had a great grandmother who loved the old song, a child of the king, a child of the king. With Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the king. John tells us in John 1.12 that to all who received him, that to those who believed in his name, that he gave the right, he gave the authority to be called a child of God. You receive Him. You receive Him by admitting that you are a sinner. You have sinned. Turn from your sin and repentance. That you're headed one way, but you make a U-turn. You're headed towards sin and destruction, but you make that deliberate turn to turn to the Savior, to turn to salvation in Jesus Christ. Inviting Him by faith, trusting Him to be your Savior and Lord. You see, there's not only a personal relevance that affects our our past, but we also think about our present. Paul says again in verse 6, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You can call the Creator of the universe, Abba, which in Aramaic is the word, Daddy. That you can have a personal, intimate, transforming, changed, present tense relationship with the Lord of the universe. With Almighty God. Not no matter what happens with present day circumstances. No matter what happens of your, your worst fears. God is your Father. 
no matter what you have done, what you are doing, what you will do, what you have been, you have been adopted as His child. And as a result, you are loved today unconditionally, passionately by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then finally, we think about your future. Paul wraps it up in verse 7 saying that you're no longer a slave but a son. But if a son, then an heir through God. An heir of the king, an heir of his kingdom. One day you will inherit eternity in paradise with your father. One day, as Jesus says in Revelation 21, verse 4, that He will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. His birth in Bethlehem means salvation from sin. His righteous power means that You don't have to live in your own strength that His Spirit fills you, lives within you each and every day as a child of the King. And His enduring presence means glorification in heaven one day. The dearest friend in all the world knocks at your heart's door. If you've never trusted Him, He knocks at your heart's door this morning longing to enter, longing to give you New life. Has the Son of Almighty God, Jesus Christ, been born in you? Trust in Him today if you haven't. Come to know Him. I'll be here at the front. Brother Brett will be here. Alan will be here. You can come and talk to us about your relationship with Christ. If you've not been baptized and followed the Lord Jesus Christ in believer's baptism, then do so. That's your first step after trusting in Christ. If you need a church home, come place your life in the fellowship of Main Street Baptist Church. Is God calling you to be on mission for Him today? A call that each and every one of us needs to answer. Listen, someone that you know of today, someone that you know in this time, in this season, who needs to know why Jesus Christ came, why we celebrate Christmas, you can tell them today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for your continued love to us and how you loved us, how you know us, how you care for us. Father, how you know our name for those that are in you. And we thank you, Father, for the birth of our Savior, for the very record and the reasons and how relevant it is to our life even today, relevant to each and every one just now. Bless this time, Lord, and this time of singing and invitation. May your Spirit, Lord, draw those to you this morning. And, Father, we ask, Lord, your will to be done, your power, Lord, to come down, your Spirit to come down, and fill us with your presence. We look to you and we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.